0: Welcome to Fur What It's Worth.
1: I'm a horrible person. You'd leave stuff laying around?
0: An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom.
1: No, no, you can't do that because I seriously think of Five Nights at Fred Meyer every time someone says that.
2: Well, we have a choice here.
1: Yeah, tell them what our choices. is. What are the choices? Limbago in Idaho. What the hell? <laughs> this
0: episode deserves a ball joke, but we're way too lowbrow for that. Instead, we'll give you a dad joke. Ready? There are certain women I just want to bitch slap. (laughs) So in summary, people are awful. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of true. What's a Pokemon trainer's least favorite game?
3: (laughs) Dodgeball!
0: Crap, I did a ball joke anyway. And now here are your two favorite ball handling fools,
1: Rue and Tugs. Welcome to For What It's Worth, season 6, episode 3, I like to poke your mom. Ha ha ha. This music's amazing. This is Tugs, I'm the puppy bear, and that's Rue.
2: Hi everyone. <laughs> what is going on, Tugs? Uh,
1: so
2: I think we've entered
1: Nothing full of copyright. Uh, I know.
2: So what are we talking about today, Tugs? Stuff. Stuff? You're like ta- what? You're
1: asking me what I did.
2: Yeah, well, but okay, so what, did, what <laughs> have you been up to?
1: Um, I, I know you talked about it last episode. I just want to add my, God damn it! why did Nightside go off the air complaint? Um, I went down to the studio for the last segment of the last show of ever. And yeah, it was, it was actually really sad. Uh, they came out afterward, and we talked about stuff. But in, on the flip side, Alex Curie is going to come on our show soon. So
2: Woo! you have that to look forward to. That's awesome. Yeah. So, what But is- the reason
1: I care is because they gave us so much of what our show is. So I have to give them the appropriate props.
2: They're pretty amazing. They're, they're amazing people. I, it was amazing to be able to sit down with them at their studio and have that experience. Yep. So. so what else have
1: you been up to? Um, I had a national holiday last weekend and James bought me a GTX 1070. I'm very pleased. You can see it right there. Ooh. So now I have the almost toppest top of end of graphics on the earth. Ah. And playing games at 144 frames a second is tits.
2: So what games have you been playing on it?
1: What do I ever play?
2: Final Fantasy. Of course.
1: What ah. about you? What have you been up to?
2: Well, I went to saw sausage party. Is this a
1: hot sausage party?
2: <laughs> no, it's the, the movie that just barely came out. That's a movie? Yeah, it's called Sausage Party. It sounds
1: like a disaster. What was it, in it? it was Is it? A, a disaster. This sounds like a movie Seth Rogen would make.
2: So it's it's about um, food that comes to life. And they and it comes becomes self-aware and realizes that, humans are eating it and different things like that
1: that sounds just <laughs> <powerful>. <laughs>
2: so it was a little bit of like happy tree friends but at the very end spoilers happened uh, yes i don't want to tell you exactly but yeah let's just say um the rating for it was almost uh, uh what is what is the rating that's above r nc-17 yep it was almost an nc-17
1: that's amazing an adult
2: so they ended up um actually the people that were rating him it rating them said that they just had to take off the hair off of um the tortillas balls and then they could release <laughs> the um Who's remember? in this? Who's in this? <laughs> Who's in it? Oh, yeah. I don't know all the actors that's in it, but it's
1: this sounds like a Seth Rogen disaster. <laughs>
2: But it was pretty fun. It was entertaining to um to go there. We went to Brewbies, so we got to, to drink and and do that at the same time. So it was fun. So I think it's that time.
0: Does everyone know what time it is? Tumor time. That's right. Nuka Brand Tools proudly presents Tumor Time now with Tug's Puppy Bear and Rue the Cookie Eating Volpine.
1: So. I know, because we're classy. No, the real reason is because not everything has to be super sad all the time. Tell us about your brain, Rue.
2: Well, I have a pituitary tumor, like I said from the last episode. Didn't
1: you get a lot of emails about that?
2: I did. And you know what? I really appreciate you guys reaching out to me and um, talking to me a little bit about it. It's been um, it's been a little bit of a scary situation, but, um, you know, your emails have have helped to to ease it along but um as far as what we've found out from the doctor is that um uh the tumor is actually pretty small and that they don't want to remove it what because um they want to put me on a wait and see and see if it ends up growing any so guess what (laughs) That means in a year I get to have another um, another lovely MRI to determine if whether or not that it has grown, and that's <sighs> so yay a whole year of trying to figure out what's going on.
1: But um, wait, I need to make sure I understood what you just told me because what I'm hearing doesn't make sense. You're going to have to wait a full year without doing anything to your tumor for them to figure out what they're going to do to your tumor.
2: That's correct. Wow. That is 100% correct. Um, No, but my doctor said that she felt um, because of the size of it, because it was very small and that it's not growing to, into my optical nerve or giving me any sort of um, damaging damages to my like pressure to my veins or anything like that that go, goes to my head um she just felt like that it's better to just leave it alone versus having brain surgery
1: that sounds like she's being lazy <laughs> no no like like, okay i'm not saying you need to go and get your skull opened because they they have other things they can do to to tumors right it's uh like how does she know that nothing's gonna happen in a year like is she just gonna come back and check you in a year and go Oh, well, looks like it's about the same. Or are you going to go and get checked repeatedly?
2: Um, I'm going to get... Well, I'm going to go back in three months. And they put they put me on some hormones. So I'm starting um, a new hormone. So that's going to be kind of interesting. Are you
1: going to go, would you like to come up to my hotel room?
2: <laughs> All of a sudden, my voice will start
1: lowering. I the
2: so there you go. There's my...
1: I just feel like they're sending it for disaster. But I'm frustrated on behalf of the audience. This is me. <laughs>
2: So, you know, we'll see what what happens. That's, that's what the doctor told me. So, therefore, they're the professionals. I'm not a doctor. So, that's what I have to do.
1: Thanks, Obamacare.
0: <laughs> Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker.
2: Hello, everybody. It is Ruse Cookie Time. Yay. I it's know like it's already left. been introduced, <laughs> but guess what? I actually wasn't ready this time.
1: Oh, uh, guess I'm going to get the fortune today.
2: No, I have one. Someone... Here we go. So when you will travel far and wide... In bed with a cookie.
1: Oh, my God. I just Googled for fortune cookies. Mm-hmm. And apparently the Cards Against Humanity team is now making fortune cookies. Really? Yeah. Okay,
2: we need to get those. It
1: says, here's a, here's a sample. It says, you will probably die of a heart attack or something. <laughs> <laughs> They're called the OK Cookie Company.
2: The OK Cookie Company? You we will die to... at an
1: Arby's in Columbus, Ohio.
2: We need to buy those. Your
1: wildest <laughs> dreams will come true, assuming those dreams are about the extinction of honeybees. <laughs> well, I think I'm just gonna go ahead and order that here while we go to potty break.
2: welcome to for what it's worth and that was a terrible introduction but we are going to be talking about pokey sonas today
1: (laughs) about half the audience just went "Ugh." what continue
2: yes pokey sonas Uh. what what about pokey sonas figure
1: it out continue
2: okay all right well we have brought a lovely guest here today in our studio and please, introduce yourself. Um, but first of all, what kind of... Well, we have little Chew here, so... but Once again,
4: he said it incorrectly.
1: <laughs> I'm so excited.
2: So, what kind of Pokemon are you? What kind of
1: Pokemon are
2: you?
0: How do you do the things you do?
2: Yes. What what kind of Pokemon are you? I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. It's
2: okay. You're ruining my joke. <coughs> oh, geez. straight lace hair. What kind of Pokemon are you?
4: Well, hi first. How yes. is everybody. Okay. Yes. I'm hi- Lil Chew. How you're supposed to say it. And I'm a Raichu from the Dominican Republic and the Caribbean Sea.
2: Yay! But what kind of Pokemon are you? Oh
4: my God. An electric type.
2: Okay. What kind of
0: things do you do?
4: Oh, you bastard. I see what you did. He's trying to do the lyrics of the song.
2: Yes, but what kind of things do you do?
4: I'm an artist. Thank you very much.
2: Okay. And um, can you share with me your secrets deep inside?
4: Nope.
2: Okay. Those are personal. (laughs) So um, are you loyal through and through?
4: Of it, sometimes.
2: Sometimes? Sometimes. And the most important question is, do you have a heart that's true? Hell yeah. <laughs> ah, tugs.
1: <laughs> yes, this is that time where everyone can just turn off their podcasting app of choice and just wait for episode 4 <laughs> we'll be here.
4: Goodbye, everybody. Thank <laughs> you for having me.
1: If you're going to be a punishment lover, and stick around. Good luck. This is a Meg episode.
4: Oh I just love god. it how you both did the same joke in different versions.
1: Because well, I didn't read that far down the notes! Oh my god! You should have right. read the notes! I I wrote the notes and didn't know you had changed them that extensively. <laughs> yeah, well, so, I had a funny joke. I'm s- just kidding. <laughs> I, yeah, you had a funny joke in 1996. So, um, Chu, we have to ask you to answer a question that We feel should be obvious, but we know that someone in this world lives under a rock, and they don't know what Pokemon is, or how to say it. So,
4: fill us in.
1: What's Pokemon?
4: They're pocket monsters.
1: That explains it all. Yes. (laughs) Tell (laughs) us more!
4: Why do you want me to say Pokemon is a company... Well, basically it's a franchise. If I walked
1: into a GameStop, and it was my first time playing video games, and I said, what's this Pokemon? What would you say?
4: Depends on what generation.
1: That's, that's <laughs> too complex.
4: But basically, Pokemon are just creatures in this special world that... I don't know. What do you do with them? You engage into battle and breed them and raise them and... Cockfight?
1: Yes, basically. Okay, Rue, I'm handing this back to you. So, it's, this a, disaster so it's a so it's a
2: glorified cockfight, basically with with Pokemon with little. Um, so what can a Pokemon be? Like, explain a little bit more about Pokemon. Like, okay, so they're little monsters. But what type of little monsters can they be?
4: They can be all sorts of little monsters. Like what? The, the game usually starts with giving you an option. Like it's a. Fl- uh, it explains to you the entire world of, that you live in a world where it's populated by all this Pokemon that basically like in our world, we have animals in their world is only Pokemon. Okay.
1: In most incarnations of the fictional Pokemon universe, a trainer encounters a wild Pokemon and is able to capture it by throwing a specially designed mass producible spherical tool called a Pokeball at it. If the Pokemon is unable to escape the confines, it is officially considered to be under the ownership of that trainer. Afterwards, it will obey whatever its new master commands, Unlike, or unless the trainer demonstrates such a lack of experience that the Pokemon would rather act on its own accord. Would you like me to continue?
2: Mm, yes, please, actually. Trainers can
1: send out any of their men to lay to wage non-lethal battles against other Pokemon. I like that non-lethal is in there. If the opposing monster is wild, the trainer can capture that Pokémon with the spherical tool called a Pokeball, increasing his or her collection of creatures. Pokémon already owned by the trainers cannot be captured except when it's Team Rocket cheating. If a Pokémon fully defeats an opponent in battle, so that opponent is knocked out or faints, the winning Pokémon gains experience points and may level up. There is also an unspoken bet that must then be paid to the winning trainer. There,
2: you know, it That's makes a
4: profound answer.
2: Could you imagine if that's how it was in like real life? Yeah, I As, would love
1: it. I, I, I'd love it. I would all love it. of a
2: sudden, like somebody would like see you and they would like run up to you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a be new like, let's fight. battle.
1: <laughs> oh man! So yeah, there's this world filled with strange cockfighting animals, and that leads us to the next question: What is a pokésona?
4: It's basically the, the Pokemon version of a fursona. Instead of creating it based on an animal, you create it based on a Pokemon.
1: So that's when you are them on.
4: Excuse you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, well, this, this kind of, and I don't mean to get off topic here. Um, so, what about pony sonas? Is it kind of like the same thing? Like, like pony sonas pokey Sonas, uh,
1: Diddy Sonas. <laughs> I don't know if did they're you called say Diddy Sonas, Digi Diddy. Sonas. Oh, I'm like, what is that? Like the Diddy Kong fandom? <laughs>
4: <laughs> basically, it's a sona based on an, a fandom. That's what you're ta- you're saying here. Okay. Because the Pony Sonas are basically the My Little Pony fandom Sonas. Because in the fair fandom, you can find normal pony Sonas, not based of the fandom just based on the actual animal. So because Pokemon
2: is Ugh. um in its own world and um and My Little Pony is in its own world. I mean are, are you guys kind of like My Little Pony like the people that that create pony sonas like are you like this separate identity from the the furry fandom or are you part of the furry fandom?
4: In the end, we're all part of the furry fandom, since the furry fandom is just the anthropomorphic version of an animal. Awesome.
2: So, we have an email that got sent to us.
1: I have breaking news. You ready? Our order of Cards Against Humanity Fortune cookies has already shipped from (laughs) the potty break. I just wanted you all to know they're coming. Oh, my God. You were, were saying
2: <laughs> uh, Oh boy, this is gonna be an interesting episode.
1: <laughs> we should let Chu read this first email. Chu <laughs> wants to read Kane's email.
2: You know, but I really want to read it. Okay, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Gigi. That's not gonna happen. But I love it.
4: So you. I'm gonna start by reading Kane's email, right? Yep. Yep. So hello again for what it's worth. This is Kane McCaton. Again chiming in on this week's topic. Pokezonas. Being a child of the 90s, Pokemon has been near omnipresent for almost as long as I can remember. I watched the shows, I had nearly every game for every generation and probably spent way too much of my parents' money on the cards. And all over the time, the franchise's presence have never really faded. While While other fads of the 90s have come and gone, Pokemon persisted. So it's no small wonder that many continue to follow and avid fan, avid fans of sorry avid fans of it right into adulthood. Now when you add in the ever corruptible influence of furries, PokéSanas are the inevitable outcome. We've been given practically a whole another whole another ever-growing animal kingdom to work with and all of them their own quirks and personalities. Indeed, I do have not only one, but two Poké A shrimpy but lovable Arcanine, and an aloof and an analytical Dilfox. Both, Both of them, I made not typical of their species' perceptive stereotypes. Arcanines, I often see, are large, bulky, and headstrong. Cain, my own arcanine, yes, I named my arcanine as another derivative of the name, Cain, is small, kind of wimpy, and practically scared of its own shadow. <coughs> my Delphox, Josephine, she is a scientist always looking for the rational answer to the everything and scoffing at magic and superstition. Again, the opposite of what Delphoxes typically are associated with, Sp- everything magical. Anyway, that's all I have to say this week's topic. As always, looking forward to more awesome episodes from you guys. And I cannot read. P.S. Go Team Instinct.
1: We're not even touching that one with a pole.
2: Ah, uh, Team Instinct.
1: Which is the best
4: team? Thank you very much. They
2: are a very good team, you know. I I like that team. Every single time I that I see is that starting team to come into our broadcast I and reduce it
1: to SD, <laughs> I just feel it.
2: I'm just joking. I'm going to wreck it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sending that in, Kane. So, Chu, what do you have to say about the email?
4: It was a nice email and it's
2: true it was basically. A nice email. <laughs> <laughs> <Why>? <laughs>
1: It was more than a nice email. This came from Kane's shriveled little heart. But could you let me finish? A shriveled little heart? <laughs> it was a nice email. And it
4: points out the the thing about Pokemon is like being from the 90s and still ongoing until today.
2: That is something amazing about um, how those things kind of just last. And I, I think Pokemon's going to be something that's always going to kind of be there like if you think about it like a hundred years from now I wonder if they're gonna like look back at like Pokemon and be like I don't know like think that they're like some sort of like Egyptian gods like how would we study the Egyptians I'm just kidding I'm just joking never mind crickets please give me the crickets
1: well, the crickets are actually disgusted. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're right. doing it begrudgingly yeah
2: They just make me feel so good and comfortable. (laughs) So, anywho, I think it's time for a break. That was a
1: great segue. We're going to go to Space News. I think we have... Yeah, we do have Space News. Um, And then we have a night in.
5: Hailing frequencies open. Smokescale Aquatis here with another round of news for you. As of Thursday, August 25th, Here are your space headlines. Astronomers recently announced a pretty huge discovery. They've confirmed an Earth-like planet around our nearest stellar neighbor, Proxima Centauri. The rocky planet is about 1.3 times the mass of the Earth and is located in the habitable zone of its star, which means it may have liquid water on its surface. Proxima itself is a red dwarf, at 14% the diameter of our sun and only 12% the mass. That means it's much cooler, by about half, so its habitable zone is much closer. So close, in fact, that Proxima b, as it's called, orbits its star in just 11.2 days at a distance of 7 million kilometers. To give you an idea for scale, Mercury orbits our sun in 88 days at a distance of 58 million kilometers. Now, because the planet is so much closer to its star, it's being exposed to a great deal more radiation outside the visible spectrum than we are here. So while it's possible that Proxima b could harbor life, there would need to be some special circumstances. There's so much more to learn about this fascinating world only 4.2 light years away. I'm only just scratching the surface. Go check it out for yourself, there are plenty of articles out there. Almost two years ago, NASA lost contact with its sun-watching satellite, Stereo B, one of a pair designed to monitor the sun from different locations. Well after the end of the two-year mission the twin satellites were on, Stereo B suffered a serious malfunction. Since the probe spends three months on the far side of the sun, out of communication with Earth, they are designed to reboot every three days if they receive no commands. Stereo B was doing this very thing, except its onboard Inertial Management Unit, or IMU, thought it was spinning when it wasn't, so it tried to counter the non-existent spin by using reaction wheels and thrusters to spin the other way. This reduced the amount of time the solar panels were pointed at the sun, and in turn, prevented the batteries from receiving a full charge. That combined with the repeated reboots drained the spacecraft until it couldn't power on again. Except recently, NASA has begun receiving carrier signals from Stereo B, and they've been trying to send back commands to bypass turning on certain systems to give the computer a chance to properly boot up. If they're successful, they could potentially correct the IMU, stabilize the craft, and boot it back up completely. A recent launch of the Chinese Space Agency saw a rather interesting piece of hardware put into space. The satellite is designed to perform quantum communication experiments on orbit to test the viability of the technology. The satellite, nicknamed Micius, also known as Mozzie, after the Chinese philosopher and scientist, will be running a two-year mission to test out quantum communication over distances far greater than ever before attempted. If quantum cryptography and teleportation work out at these distances, it could lead to the most secure method of near-instantaneous communication mankind has ever achieved. Why would it be so secure? because of the nature of quantum physics. The manner in which this works, if an unauthorized third party attempts to observe or listen in on the signal, the waveform collapses and the signal is lost, meaning the two parties communicating with one another would immediately know if there was an unauthorized listener. It relies on something called quantum entanglement, which has not been proven at these distances before. If it works, then satellite-based communications could get a serious boost in speed and security. Rocketry fans rejoice, we've got yet another up and coming manufacturer closing in on joining the game. Firefly Space Systems has been testing their new engine design just north of Austin, Texas, and is closing in on a demonstration flight. What makes the system so different from others is that it utilizes what's called a hybrid aerospike design. The nozzle is likely the most important part of a rocket engine. It's what the majority of the exhaust pushes against to give the rocket its lift. The problem is, you need different nozzle sizes and shapes based on the kind of engine and the environment it's meant to operate in. At sea level, the exhaust of a rocket appears as a nice, narrow column, which a smaller nozzle is perfectly capable of working with. But as the rocket climbs, the air pressure around it gets weaker, and that column blooms out into a large plume. A longer, wider nozzle is needed to capitalize on the larger cloud of expanding gas. Enter the aerospike. Instead of one or several large nozzles, the idea is to have even more, smaller nozzles around a cone in the center. That cone gives the exhaust something to push against, and allows the entire engine assembly to auto-tune to suit the environment, sea level to vacuum. This could mean a far more efficient engine with greater thrust to weight, which means a smaller rocket would be able to lift heavier payloads. The Firefly Alpha prototype is still under development, but once it flies, it will be in the small to medium range of lifters. Aerospikes have been notorious for being non-feasible since the 60s, but now that our material science kung fu is much stronger, we might see the return of the design. Here's hoping they're successful. That's all we've got for you this time. For more on space and space-related matters, follow NASA, the European Southern Observatory, responsible for confirming Proxima B, the Chinese Space Agency, and Firefly Space Systems on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying, keep looking up, space fans.
0: This is Dark Juan, reporting from Nova Scotia, Canada, and I love being anal while listening to For What It's Worth.
2: I like being anal.
3: Yep!
1: Thank you, Dark Juan, for the ident. We're out of idents now, everybody.
2: Send more! We like hearing your voice instead of ours!
1: <laughs> hey, that's right! Woo! <laughs>
2: You know, also something that you could send in. We'll probably do this in housekeeping as well, but definitely, like, send us audio files. Those are always fun.
1: As long as you own the rights.
2: Yep. So, we have a lovely email that was sent to us from Kira the Kitsune. So, it's been a while since she's written to us. And she said, Well, I myself do not have any Pokisonas, but I Uh. do know a lot of people who do. And at first, I used to think it was lazy t- way to create a character. But then, I would remember that my fursona started out as a Renamon. A Digimon, um, thus making it superior. What does Chu have to say to
4: that? Nothing. <laughs> I find that the Digimon fandom is also amazing, and also it's Renamon.
2: So, I really can't judge. I have seen Poki Sonas um, be really creative and r- really amazing so I think that if you want to make your your um, Sona a Pokisona, Sona then that's fine as long as you put effort into it um, as with the other animal um, being a Pokemon that doesn't replace a character development or personality however I am not a fan of Pokisonas of legendary Pokemon Sadly, in the lore of the games and the stories, there is one of these so, um, so people making their own OCs. What's OCs?
4: Original characters. Oh,
2: original characters. Just um, feels wrong to me as a fan of the games. I really can't think of anything else to say. Sonas are great, but I have my pet peeves. But that's just me. Kira the Kitsune. Well, thank you for sending that in, Kira. And you know what? I one of the things that popped into um, popped into my mind is I actually know um, a couple people that they would like to um, they would like to create a Sona. but they want the Sona to be exactly the same thing. So they want to be like, okay, so Lucario has certain stripes, um, he looks a certain way, and he's a certain color and you know that's they just want to to have that particular pokemon in my opinion just my opinion and Chu can correct me if he feels because you're the the pokemon ep- expert i'm not um i i personally feel that if you're not going to change the character itself it's not a poke sona that is my personal feelings you're not making it a, your own Um, All you're doing at that particular point is cosplaying that particular character. But that's my opinion. What do you feel, Mr. Chu?
4: I don't know. Because basically if you... For example, have a persona of a certain species of certain animal and you just use it as it is, you're doing the same exact thing.
2: Yeah, but usually you don't have some... to
4: actually change like the color fur or do anything special. As long as you feel like the strong connection that you have with that Pokemon or animal itself, depending if it's a persona, you're you're okay.
1: Define legendary Pokemon, please.
2: <coughs> oh, legendary like Zapdos or Oh, those are, are you examples. asking him?
1: I'm just asking someone.
2: Okay. So, like, probably, like, the Pokemon that's on the top, the front of the game. <laughs> so, like, either Zapdos or Articuna. Ar- Articuna. Mm. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know all my Pokemon, okay?
4: He's trying to say those Pokemon like Articuna, Zapdos, or Moltres. Or what's, Same the, as Mewtwo. what's the one that's the god Pokemon? That's Arceus. RCS. But yeah, this, uh, the legendary Pokemon are basically the mystic Pokemon. The ones that are usually like very few in the universe. Like They're like kind of overpowered Pokemon that rule certain areas and certain places.
2: Oh, okay, how do you say Pokemon?
4: It's Pokemon.
1: See, there's a subtle difference here that I'm just pointing out. There's an accent above the E, so mm-hmm. it's not a long E, it's an A sound.
4: It's Pokemon? Mm-hmm. That's
1: how you say it. Am I saying it? Incorrectly? Yes, you keep saying it pokey. Like, oh, I'm, a pokey. I'm I, a pokey. I like
2: saying pokey. I like being anal. Oh, you know what? <laughs> what was that? I like being anal. No, that can't come back. <laughs> That that is in the doors of season I like five, Beano. and I like it's Beano. going. Beano. Stop I like it Beano. Stop Beano. I like it. I like Beano. I like Okay, like everybody, just leave this episode alone. I, I like don't Beano. really care about it anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh! Hey rue what?
1: Okay, uh-huh. anyway,
2: <laughs> inception. So to, oh, we have fun here. <laughs> we, why
1: did you choose a Poké Sona? Why did I choose it? Yeah, so you decided, I'm going to be a furry. And then, and I, I know you said it just like that. <laughs> so then, how did you settle on your on Poké Sona?
4: To be honest, like, I didn't know of the furry fandom when I created my Poké Sona. So oh. I just basically found, like, I was really into Pokémon, just like, basically how I am into it, And... I just found that I really love Raichu a lot, and I just created a character based on it.
1: And you didn't think that it was a little weird? No. Why?
4: Because I've seen cartoons since I was small until now. Hmm. And it's normal to see anthropomorphic animals, and I just created my
1: own. So, did did you consider something else when you were trying to settle down? Like, were you looking at different Pokemon, anything like that? Were you almost a Pikachu?
4: Not really. It was. I don't know how it came to be, but it just started to be like Raichu instantly. It's like, I'm going to create a character. It's going to be a Raichu, and that's it. That's how everything started, like, 13 years ago.
2: So why did you choose um, to be a Pokemon versus being a Chipokamon? Excuse me? A what? You know, Chipokamon. Ah, you guys... I mean, you haven't seen that episode of South Park? <sighs> okay. I'm sorry, so, I haven't
1: seen all million episodes of South Park. They're all really good. I just <laughs> haven't seen that particular one.
2: <laughs> They're uh, they all. Well, you have played the South Park game, right? No. Ah, oh, that's such a great game. I, I have think it. I should play I'm
1: it. playing City Skylines right now. So.
2: So um. Pokysonas. Do Sonas have an associated with Pokeball?
1: Do they have one? do they always have one
0: Can you repeat that
2: question So again? do do you always have to have a, a, a pokeball Like are there wild poke-sonas are there not wild poke-sonas like are they they tamed Do they have do poke-sonas kind of like you know in the fandom how there's like a master and pet type thing do they have like a That sounds more like
4: a kink thing
2: Like a a trainer
4: well, yeah, but I mean, like, remember I- that, of course, forson- so like a Sona is basically an anthropomorphic version of that Pokemon, meaning that it's an evolved. It has a brain, a bigger brain. and It knows.
1: I don't know. It's like saying that you're owned by someone else. But if is it safe to assume that if I went into a room full of persona players that they would all I could refer to. Oh, yeah. In your Pokeball, you'll find X and they would be like, oh, yeah, sure. That's totally natural to refer to. Or is I don't it- think so. Okay, so see, they don't, always, they don't always have one.
2: So you don't have a trainer no. type thing. Like, like, you know, for, for baby first, some of them have caretakers type thing. I you know? understand
4: what you're trying to say. It's just like, I don't think when you create your PokéSona, you're all, all like searching for the trainer right away or if that's actually a thing.
1: I bet you it is.
4: Oh, so I bet it is in some people.
1: Do PokéSonas evolve?
4: A lot of people tend to do that, that throughout the stages of their life, they're like the. If the Pokemon has like several stages, they would do that. They would create like a story saying, like, from this age to this age, I was like in my first stage. Then from this stage to this one, I was like the second one, and so and so. Until you get to the final stage.
1: So, if so it, go for it.
2: Oh, so do you have an evolution form of your. Your persona, like for instance, like do you have a Pikachu version of yourself? I'm I mean, just, I'm just saying, you know, because you're... I've thought
4: about it, and it sort of does. It was like I was born a Pichu, then it had like a little stage of of Raichu of Pikachu, and then it turned into a Raichu by accident. That's all. By accident. Yeah.
1: Tell us about your accidents. It's
4: basically by accident for, cause for example, like in. Per- a pikachu in particular evolves through a stone it doesn't evolve like through growing up or leveling so he just stumbled upon a stone and he just accidentally evolved so you got stoned basically
2: so so do you think that pokisonas end up having um like detailed backstories like it all to depends them?
4: on the person. Some people, that's like the same thing with the furry fandom. It's like some people have a, a sona that represents them, but they th- they haven't thought of actually like a backstory of that character. Mm-hmm. They just have their character represents them, They're happy with it.
1: So it sounds like you know lots of people who have Sonas. Do you find that they all tend to live in like certain areas of the world? Are they kind of all over? I mean, are they concentrated? Like, you know how, like, Seattle has a whole bunch of this kind of furry or that kind of furry, for instance? Does, like, New York have, like, a whole bunch of Pokézonas that are unusually higher per, you know, group than other areas?
4: I wouldn't know how to answer that, because everybody just selects, like, their favorite type of Pokémon. Like, their f- their favorite Pokémon, they just create a, po- like, a Pokésona. It's not like you can find a concentration of like this group of people in this state would like to have more of this right. certain type. of just in of general
1: being Pokésonas, though. Like, mm-hmm. like it's not like Dallas, for instance, has like a ton of Pokésonas compared to other cities, right? Yeah.
2: Well, you know that that brings me to a question to you, Tugs. Actually, does um, does Baby Furs have Seattle. like a central location for them? Seattle. So it's Seattle that all the Baby Furs go to.
1: Um. Uh, there's a disper- disproportionately higher volume. Yes.
2: Oh, okay. All right. Well, that that's a that's a fair question. That's that's the only reason why I was asking, is um you know because maybe there is a city that I don't know that that has a. a do you,
1: now, do you think it would be different if there was like a pallet town somewhere for real,
4: like an actual pallet town?
1: Yeah. Would you maybe. go live there? Just to say, you lived in Pallet Town.
4: I don't know. I feel like more original saying that I live in an island. That I'm like. That's the thing about my my Raichu. I say that it's a tropical Raichu. It's not your typical normal Raichu. So Mine are you has excited? like tropical, like more bi- vibrant colors and such.
1: I think we're gonna say more bisexual colors. <laughs>
4: yes.
2: So are you excited about the new Pokemon game that's coming out? Because oh yes, I'm island. really
4: excited, especially since there's now a canon it's tropical
1: actually, Raichu. It's actually at his house.
2: So does that mean <laughs> if it's a tropical Raichu, are you going to change your Pokesona to to fit that?
4: Oh, I already designed him. It's not like I'm gonna stay with the new form, but it's just gonna have the form from time to time, because it's a really fun form. That's cool. And it goes more more along with what my Raichu has always been—that is like a tropical Pokemon.
2: So do you have um, concerns about your Pokesona? Po- uh, sorry, your persona being held um being held by like Nintendo like so like by copyright and stuff like that
4: I've had my concerns about that but in the end it's a character that I created and it's based off also my style it's not like I'm actually copywriting like copying the exact style of the Raichu in the end is like I have the base but it's not completely the the same.
1: So you consider it derivative work. What do you mean by that? Derivative meaning like you, you, you've you changed it enough to make it your own, and Nintendo couldn't just decide one day that they're going to pick on you.
4: Yeah, I feel that way. Fair enough. So, I mean,
2: I, I can see that it could probably... I mean, okay, so I'm going to pull up a situation for you. Situation... I tried to put my um, a, <laughs> my picture of my character on my visa card, and I wasn't able to because it was a it was a cartoon character or whatever. Don't you think that it um, and and they thought that um, I had ripped it off from like the internet or something like that? Because they're like, well, why can you draw some? Anyways, that's a whole different situation. But I, I'm trying to bring it up to you is that, you know, getting things, like, printed on certain things, like, that's going to be a little bit more difficult for you to get those things on there, wouldn't when, when you think? Or, or you're you talking don't know about, why? like,
4: printing, like, copyrighted characters. That's what you're trying to get. Well,
1: right? no, he, he, and some banks they let you customize your debit card with whatever you want, but you would run into more challenges than, say, Rue would, because Rue's character is wholly original yours is a derived character.
4: Oh, yeah. But yeah, I find like yeah, I could have more troubles. But I've toyed around already, like with my character, for it not to look like it. You know that it's a Raichu, but it doesn't have the normal colors that it has. It the cheeks are popping out, not the regular like normal cheeks that a Raichu would have. The ears are I have drawn them to a point where it doesn't even have the swirlies anymore. So, um, do. My- Plus, it has a big mass of blue hair in the top that it's like totally not normal. Oh, that's
1: true.
2: It that does. I mean, it makes sense that you are um, you are creating it to be your own. Um, but what? How do you feel that it's different from somebody that is also a Raichu? Like, do you have ever run into an issue where there's another Raichu and
0: there's they haven't
2: made those change, changes? They haven't made those markings or anything like that. They're just like, I'm a Raichu. sorry
4: yeah i've stumbled i've drawn i've gotten commissions of other pokemon sonas and they can be basically almost like the same pokemon itself like for example like there is renchu that tugs was mentioning he's a regular raichu he has the raichu colors However, when I draw him, I draw him with the position of the normal Raichu that it is the ears are on the head. My Raichu has them on the sides. And however he has this the innards of that Raichu is green. Like his tongue is green. The inner of his mouth. When he the blushes dark is green.
0: Places.
4: Like everybody has their own concepts and their own little things that makes them unique. In the end, we're all sharing, yes, we're all electric mouse, mice, and that's how we go. That uh-huh. is like when you stumble another fox. Basically, you're both foxes.
1: So we really need to know the important things, which are, do most pokemons that you've encountered wear clothes? Yeah. Because most Pokémon in the game don't have clothes, right? Same goes with normal animals. No, I've seen dogs in plenty of sweaters. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, um, what's one thing you? I mean, did you want to tell everybody about Pokezonas?
4: They're all a wonderful thing.
1: Really? <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's 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 break the the, per- the cadence of the show here for for a good reason, and that is how nervous <laughs> are you right now? I'm quite nervous. Why? I don't know. We're just talking about your pokeballs. Calm down.
2: Uh, <laughs> and and the things that you, you do. just wanted to
1: make that joke, didn't you? Yeah, I did.
2: So, uh, you know, one of my dying questions are, is like, have you ever run into Team Rocket?
4: <laughs> no, I haven't. No. No, okay. they haven't. They haven't tried to kidnap me or anything.
2: At least not yet. Who knows? Maybe one day,
4: or I'm
1: undercover. Do you feel like you have done a good job representing your subsection of the fandom? Am I going to hear from other Pokesona characters out there that that little cheer was awful? <laughs> I
4: don't know. It's like everybody has like their own concept, like perception of the of the fan, like of this section of the fandom. Because basically, everybody's like their own Pokemon. There is basically no rules or anything that define it. Like you need to have the specific rules to have like your soda. You just pick a Pokemon, you like it. You repre- you're being represented as your character. You love it because how you you've made bonds with it in the game.
2: Is there any jargon that's used in the in the fandom itself, the Pokemon fandom? Like, you know, for example, um, like the Brony community, they they talk about um, clopping and singing. I, I'm sorry, that's the first one that comes to You make me want to me. clop and sing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Or they
1: use...
2: What's all the furry... I mean, the brony jargon. I can't think of it right now.
1: Uh, you just use the best ones. That's fine. Okay. But you know what? I have an email that I forgot to put in the notes, and it is on topic, so I'm going to read it now. Okay. from Cyrus. He says, Not much to say about Pokésonas, Um, Everyone else are going to say they are literally like Fursona, so I'll talk about my own. Funny thing is, I started in the furry fandom with the Pokesona. Vap? Vappy? Vapy? I'm not sure. He's a Mew blended with an Erkanin and a Vaporeon. He's supposed to be this wanderer with no memory of his past, searching the world for who he was. He soon put it aside after, oh boy, traveling through various worlds, and even the Dream World just to find that more interesting than his origin. A year later, this Growlithe canine counterpart came to play. He's meant to be a bounty hunter of sorts who encounter the Mew, and from there, it's just another crazy adventure. This was two years before my fursona Sirius. Sirius? Sirius. Sirius, thank you. This blue wolf that's always mistaken as a fox for some reason. So, he has a little bit of a backstory as well. That's interesting. All right, now you've had plenty of time. Final, Real final thought this time.
4: About the topic itself?
1: Yeah. Go play Pokemon.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would say that. Pokemon is an amazing franchise. It's an amazing series, we could say. And there is a lot of imagination in it, depending on, like, based on each Pokemon. Each Pokemon has their own personalities, their own typing, their own way of being. And that's how you connect with each of them. Same as, like I was saying earlier, like through the game, you when you catch this Pokemon, sometimes you may not like the Pokemon at first, but judging by their looks, but then all of a sudden you start playing through the game with that Pokemon and you start creating bonds, and that's how you start getting, like, quote, unquote in love with the Pokemon, and you create a Sona because of that. And that makes you think of a backstory, which, as you can see with this Bappy character... He already needs to figure it out.
2: Well, all right. So that is Sonas. So we're going to be taking a small break here.
1: When you want something that sucks, I think for what it's worth. What? That's coming up next.
6: Psyched with Dr. Nuka. What's a furry? Both furries and non-furries struggle when trying to answer this question. Is furry something you do? Is it a certain type of behavior or a way of thinking? Or is it something you are, a certain type of person who's furry no matter what they think, even if they're in denial about being a furry at all? Is it some combination of both of these things? And perhaps the most important question of all, should we even care? I want to argue that being able to define what a furry is and isn't is important for practical reasons. It can help us better understand what causes furries to become furry, or whether furry is something that you can become at all. Likewise, it can help us understand what might cause furries to leave the fandom or stop being furry, or again whether it's even possible to stop being a furry. Knowing what furry is can help us understand what drives and motivates them. It can help furries better understand themselves and the community they belong to. Knowing what makes furries tick can also help artists and businesses within the fandom better understand their clients. And last, but certainly not least, having a solid idea of what a furry is can help us counteract some of the more negative stereotypes that exist about furries. So furries are, first and foremost, fans. We're fans, just like Whovians are fans of Doctor Who or cheeseheads are fans of the Green Bay Packers football team or gamers are fans of video games. Most furries would implicitly agree with this definition as we see from the fact that the furry community is commonly called the furry fandom. If we assume that furries are fans, what does this tell us? Well it tells us that people become furries. They may not start out as furries but after being shown furry media they may discover that they like it enough to want more or enough that it eventually becomes part of who they are. Of course, there are individual differences in whether a person likes furry content or not. And some people recall having a broader, lifelong interest in animals that made it almost certain that they would eventually become fans of furry content. But it's still something that they become. In other words, a person can't really be furry without knowing it. It would be like saying that a person can be a Lady Gaga fan without knowing it. If they hadn't heard Lady Gaga for themselves, it's pretty hard to know how they'd react to hearing her. What's more, even if they did like Lady Gaga, that's no guarantee that they'll like her enough to make it part of their identity. Defining furries as fans also means accepting that furries can become non-furries. That is, they can choose to leave the furry fandom and no longer call themselves furries at all. This could happen because of a falling out with other members of the fandom. Or because the person simply doesn't have the time and resources to devote to their furry interests. Or maybe it happens because they no longer find furry content interesting. This is just like any other fan interest. When I was a kid, I was a fan of all things LEGO. I owned boxes of it, I subscribed to LEGO magazine, I had LEGO bedsheets, and even wrote stories about my LEGO creations. But as the years went by, my interest changed and at some points, the term LEGO maniac just stopped applying to me. It no longer made sense for me to describe myself as one because it didn't really describe my behavior. With time, we see the same thing with furries just like we do with fans of all other things. Over time, interests can fade and you might fall out of the fandom. If however, we assumed that furry was a type of personality or a certain type of person, we wouldn't really expect this to happen. Furries would tend to be furries for life, and that's just not what we see. Also, knowing that the furry fandom is a fandom can also help us understand what makes furries tick. Most fans share the same underlying motivations, regardless of what they're fans of. Many fans are drawn to a community of like minded others, and strongly identify with those communities. Now, while the sense of belongingness and community might be stronger in the furry fandom than it is for other fandoms, it's definitely not unique to furries. For example, Fans of the online game World of Warcraft have been known to form powerful bonds with other members of their guilds, and many of them say that the social interaction is more important to them than the game itself. We also know that for many fans, being a fan is an important part of who they are. Unlike other aspects of our identity, like our height or our ethnicity, we can't really control being uh, those, those things, we do get to decide whether we're a fan of anything. So it's part of our identity that we get to selectively express. Content creators and businesses within the fandom have done pretty well by recognizing this and they often sell products that allow fans to express their fan identity. T-shirts, artwork, card decals, personalized badges, anything that a fan can wear or display to show others that this is part of who they are. In other words, knowing that furries are fans allows us to predict that many furries are motivated to express their furry interests and belong to the community of other furries. Finally, knowing that furries a fandom, first and foremost, can help us to dispel some of the misconceptions that exist about furries. For example, many people erroneously assume that furries a fetish, people with a sexual attraction to animals or to fur suits or to anthropomorphic characters. And while it's true that most furries look at furry pornography, calling furry a fetish is inaccurate for the same reason that it's inaccurate to call science fiction fans people with a science fiction fetish. For furries, they're motivated by belongingness and finding the content fun and interesting. These are a bigger motivator for them than simply being sexually attracted to the content. It's not that furries don't find the content attractive or arousing, it's that this attraction isn't what drives their furry identity. Most furries say they're interested in both non-sexual and sexual furry content something you wouldn't expect to find if it was just a fetish or a kink this is why it's important to know exactly what furry is it can help us understand what the fandom is not in this case a fetish take home message is this many people struggle to put their finger on exactly what a furry is and many more simply throw their hands up and say who cares but it's worth talking from time to time about the sort of issue ask yourself what makes you a furry and Does what I talk about here resonate with you? Is furry something you are? Is it something you do? Could you ever stop being a furry? Is it part of the fandom or being part of the fandom important to you? And would it bother you if someone described you as having a furry fetish instead of being a furry fan? This has been a quick look at the psychology of furries as fans. I'm Dr. Nuka. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Get Psyched.
3: You're listening to For What It's Worth, brought to you by For What It's Worth brand window treatments. When you need to tastefully appoint your windows with the skill and acumen of a particularly fashion-forward demographic, think for what it's worth. The sun, nature's lamp. It's a thing of beauty, isn't it? Of course it isn't. It's a horrible searing day star that wants to scent your flesh, render you blind, and kill you with cancer. Better block it out with only the finest and thickest curtains available. For well, what it's worth, brand window treatment will ensure that not even the tiniest ray of sunlight ever makes its way to your delicate, milky-white skin. Our lead-lined fabrics work wonders during a nuclear holocaust, too. Why, you don't even need to leave the home in the event of World War III. Or any event, for that matter. Stay inside where it's safe. Where no one can get you. And at night, the effect goes the other way. Your neighbors will never be able to tell if you're home or not, especially if you are smart enough to build your house with For What It's Worth brand sound insulation. And with For What It's Worth brand carpeting, they won't hear you walk either. How thoughtful of you to make all those living around you believe that you are so stealthy a homemaker that you merely leap from wall to wall without ever touching the floor. Now you can enjoy that 8 a.m. martini in peace without anyone judging you. For what it's worth brand window treatments, yes, the carpet really does match the drapes. And now for today's secret code. 9 20 19 22 1 13 16 9 18 5 3 15 21 20 21 18 Five. Good luck.
1: Before we get to the fun stuff of the show, which is really the part everyone is, is stuck it out if you're with us still, I just need to ask Chu now that we have him here and on the spot what he thought about.
0: Hello and welcome. This is Chu from the Dominican Republic, and you're listening to Fort Wyatt's
1: I just need to know what you think about that. Yep, that's me. <laughs> Ah. Did you feel smart when I told you what you'd done? I when
4: you told me exactly what because you were dead. You were like all over the place and I still didn't understand what you were talking about. Cause for me I just pressed the record button, I said what I said, and then I just mailed it to you. I didn't even click play or anything. Once you started like telling me all these things is when I decided to actually click play on what I sent you, and I was like, oh, is that, I is
1: that your Pokesona's voice?
4: <coughs> no. Oh. What? I think that was the static of my Pokesona going through
1: the mic. <laughs> well, we have various surprises, and we really do mean that coming in this segment, but we should always, always kick it off with our good friend, Fire Fire Breath. All
0: right. We've pulled the zipper down. It's time for the mailbag.
1: Wow, 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 wow. (laughs) Now that it's all hot and steamy in here, I'll kick it off. We have three mails, mail one. Greetings. I'm sorry this is so late. I just want to thank you for your burned furs episode, FYI. I watch several furry podcasts for what not the least of them, and some that aren't furry as well. There's other entertainment besides furry. I could never keep up if I listened to more than any of them, more than, sorry, I could never keep up if I listened to more than once to any of them on a regular basis. The episode I played three times to get the most out of it. I believe that your Burn First episode might be one of the most important things ever made about the furry fandom. I lived through the period Sophie discussed and didn't understand myself, just what was going on, and how big of a problem it really was. But so much about our little community makes more sense now that I know that part of history from her point of view. So, thanks to Sophie for her insights, and thanks to you for being her host. Your fan, D.
2: Ah, Thank you for sending that in, because, like, we, we worked really, really hard on that episode. And, um... And we, we also had an amazing um, amazing guest that was extremely knowledgeable about that subject, and that's the only way that we were able to get through it.
1: Yeah, and um, she's still in the group chat answering some questions that come up every now and then. So we will forward it to her, and, but if you wanna say hi to her directly, you can jump on our chat.
2: So let's see, we also have another email from drono yeah from drono let's make sure we have to read that yes okay i agree
4: wow that was a fantastic episode sophie was great wonderfully articulated not like me fun to listen to and the most ob- objective speaker i've ever heard on the subject definitely on the hobbyist side of the fandom i am i was amused by her avoiding Avoiding the whole lifestyler debate, but it also sounds like she was shifting out of the fandom while all that was gaining speed. Something I'm really glad you did in the first part of the episode was to try to set a sense of tone of what the fandom was like back in those days. Without social media, we communicated differently. The rhythm was slower, different, and it's so hard to describe and put into words. Did you did you ever get any kind of responses from Spike Trutman? No. Anyhow, I'm I'm mulling if I should post anything in the episode comments. It would be disjointed set of reactions to various things mentioned during the episode. Send like, anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like I don't recall an an, an incident with miners at a slave auction that's the sort of thing that i want uh, i want backed it up but then i stopped attending the west coast cons at the time i was ex- it was expensive to fly out there but yeah there wasn't much due diligence at conference or anywhere else in the fandom in the early 90s i was in my early 20s so it wasn't something i usually noticed But the early CF art shows that had the adult art hanging openly without being put in separate sections or anything. CF did, however, differently card people, not so much at registration, but they had a charity fundraising stage show, a combination of sketches, but also strip strip show. They carded to get into that. It also meant that all other events that wanted to use the stage had to work around a metal pole smack dab in the middle of the stage floor. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But I ramble as usual. Great work. Man, we need to get Nuka a better microphone. (laughs) Jonah.
2: Well, Nuka and his better microphone...
1: He needs one. We'll he get needs him one. one
2: at one point in time.
1: If you guys want to donate for one for him, feel free. But we're talking a few hundred. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I have much to say on that. I think it's hilarious that there was a the big metal pole in the, on the stage.
2: Uh, do you know anything about the like being able to confirm that miners were at this um, slave auction?
1: No, I didn't really go back and research it. Um, it was, there was a lot going on in that episode, and. Um, That didn't make it onto my list of things I did afterward. Sorry, I disappoint.
2: But, um, but yeah, that's, it's definitely, it was definitely an interesting time. Um, but seeing strip, strip shows, I mean, like, what would you do? Like, just think about it. So you're like in fursuit and they're like slowly, like taking off like bits and pieces of like their clothing and they're still in suit. Is that what's going on?
4: Yeah, that sounds like a thing.
1: I don't know, Drone on us, But thank you for writing that. I'm glad that you enjoyed <laughs> it. Uh, you, we thank you again for your helpful guide as we prepared for the episode. Let's move on. Lumio, Lumio sent us 5,000 emails and we condensed them into one for our purposes. And Rue, take it away. So
2: we have a couple of questions here. So there is a really small community down here in Texas coast. And so I just had to connect to other states it's really hard to ex- um, expand the community here. What should I do? Move. Move? <laughs> You're so helpful. You know, if you want to expand the community, then really what you need to do is...
1: Sigh? Sigh. sigh loudly?
2: Sigh, sigh loudly. No. Um, you know, if you want to expand your local community, then what you need to do is be involved with it. If that's what you want to do is to expand it. Because really, um, there's two different types of people in life. There's seers and there's doers. Which one are you? So, are you going to just sit there and watch and see what's happening around you? Or are you going to stand up and you're going to do something about it? So, you know, if you want to see change, then you have to make it yourself. Next question is... What are our opinions on Zootopia? Tugs, do you want to answer that one?
1: Don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> haven't seen it.
2: Um, you know what? I love Zootopia. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was really good. Um, it, was, um, it was definitely unique. I could tell that they put a lot of time into really making this an art piece and really trying to dive into how it would be to live in a in a type of world that kind of like that and so it was it was a really good movie and it was very successful at least i thought what did you think chu
4: i really liked it it was a fun kids movie and it like you were saying they paid a lot of details on each species and how each animal acts in real life and turn it into a point of view of evolution like evolution happened and now they're anthropomorphic and how they would act nowadays
2: but Chu, let's let's um like really take it apart if you were able to look at the story without any anthropomorphic animals in it would it be a good story
4: you mean like it being like a human world instead of this animal world? That's correct. It would be kind of like a horror story then. And we cannot talk a lot because uh, we would be spoiling part of the movie.
1: You're still in spoiler zones. Yeah, don't go there yet.
2: Yeah, I yeah. know.
4: But just... ba- if it was a human, like a full human thing going on, you it would be kind of like a horror movie, we could say. Because what happened in the movie is something that would happen due to the species.
1: I love that you are asking that question. I'm glad I got through to someone.
2: You're welcome. <laughs> I listen to what you say. Next question.
1: I'm surprised someone does.
2: So what if one day all of you woke up? This is one that. <laughs> this is probably the number one question that gets sent to. For what it's worth, I have to. I have to say that this is this is the number one. Um, what if one day all of you woke up and everyone in the world was an actual anthro animal, like a real fur, I guess, is what you could say to the planet. You know what? I think we actually answered that last episode. We read your email and um, we talked about it a little bit, but you know what? Let's go ahead and get um little choo's opinion so you wake up the next day and you yourself are your persona, and everybody around you is their personas as well how would that be
1: i'd play with my pokeballs it'll be so amazing
4: <laughs> okay first of all is little choo thank you very much and to answer the question like i would say that the entire world will enter a panic mode
2: what did i call you
4: little chew as
1: usual oh someone owes us beer i don't know what you're talking about your
0: phone is ringing (laughs)
4: there is a there is a phone rule here of course but yeah like i was saying like uh, the entire world will enter a panic mode of what is this, what's going on, what's happening. And then people will start calming down and see what they can do with this new Sona that they are. It would also depend on the what other data we have on this new world, like would have animals disappeared and we're the only new animals, or we would have normal animals and then us, the anthro animals. We'll say that the human animals become our food stars.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm it, just would, kidding. <laughs> it
4: would be horrible knowing that there's no animals, but only us. And then that would mean that we will start having a cannibalism w- weirdness.
2: No, I think that they would still have their own animals. Hey, uh, before we go to the next section, Tugs, you wake up and you are a puppy bear.
1: I'll play with my boobs, see if they work.
2: Play play with your boobs? <laughs> no. <laughs> would you... My would
1: character you, is not female. Would
2: you stick out your tummy and, you know, do Care Bear stare? You
1: know, no, I wouldn't. Like, I've done that before for real, by the way. I'm just going to put it out there because I have no shame at the moment. <laughs> there are three Care Bear-oriented personas. Mine is, was one, is drawn from that. And we did at rf make a point of doing that and rubbing our bellies together just to freak people out (laughs) but would i do that if i woke up as my character no i would probably enjoy sniffing things because dogs have amazing noses apparently and i'd like to know what it's like like literally like sniff your thing and your thing and then we'd see where it goes
2: i would probably run straight to the bathroom and get naked. No. No, i just go pee because I pee fire. and There you go. <laughs> but it would be somebody else's bathroom. It wouldn't be on my own. <laughs> well, what if it, wait, wait, but it can't Well, splash. you woke
4: up in your own bed. You woke up and you were now this fox. So it would be your bathroom.
2: Well, it's i not like just, you woke you up never randomly. Do do water
1: sports? What? Never be able to do water sports.
2: Oh, that's, that's such a shame. <laughs> well, no, I could do water sports. It would just <laughs> For the no last longer time. It would never be calm. <laughs> water sports it'd be called fire sports oh, or or something called cremation fire play
1: <laughs> okay guess what we have we have a letter <gasps> what i have i'm gonna hand you this what's this we have food review yay so this food review while Rue gets into the box um is brought to you by guardian lion he says, dear for what it's worth, he said a little bit more, uh, but dear for what it's worth, greetings and salutations from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, somewhere near Wisconsin, Texas, I think. Geography has never been my strong suit. I've been one of your listeners for a few years now and have been through most of the backlog of episodes. Expecting cranial damage, or no, accepting cranial damage from flung Microsoft CDs in Seattle, I greatly enjoy your show. Oh no! ha <laughs> ha! I know who this is! <laughs> I just lost my mind! I'm sorry I made you bleed.
0: What? This
1: is the person who was bleeding at Rain First.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry! <laughs> I'm
1: not really bad. You! You! You did that, Tugs! You have good chemistry and do a good job of exploring and discussing interesting topics while keeping things entertaining. I especially enjoy the game, Smokey's Space News, and for what worth, Brand X, that's not me, by the way, segments, and more recently, Dr. Nuka's Get Psyched segments. Please keep up the good work. So what we've learned before I continue is that if you bean someone in the head and make them bleed at a live show, they'll listen forever
2: there we go that's what we need to do from now on we're just gonna just know that next live show whenever we do have it um yeah we'll just bring bring helmets i think that our prize will Uh, be like these makeshift knives like you say makeshift nuts on the handles it will say for what it's worth we'll just toss them out to the audience it'll be great
1: all right he says gratuitous praise accomplished let's move on to what you really want to know about cookies with the recent pleasant cool spell we've had down here, I've been able to fire up my oven and do some baking, so I thought I'd share one of my favorite recipes with you all. Presented for your approval to start eating, please find some of my enclosed kitchen sink cookies. I concocted the recipe in 2010 from a great recipe on the internet. Hello, Smitten Kitchen, and what I had in my pantry at the time. I couldn't stop myself from tinkering and futzing with it, so that has been refined a fair bit in the year since. Among the other ingredients, these contain oats, dried cherries, not raisins. Milk chocolate chips, oranges, semi-sweet chocolate chips, pecans, and coconut. I hope they'll meet your approval. They're best fry, warm and crispy with outside, uh, with a crispy outside and a soft inside. I hope they'll make it to you in that state, but they should still be good. If they're too firm for your liking, do these things to you. Here. Uh, regardless, enjoy with a nice glass of milk. In closing, I want to thank you for all you do. I look forward to more episodes from you. Also, should you ever manage to make it out of Texas, one of these springs for a fiesta, there'll be more cookies waiting for you. Guardian Lion. I'll throw a CD at you if you ask nicely and then feel really bad for the next five years. All right, Rue, what do you think? Tell us about the cookie while I have a bite of it.
2: Well, let me tell you, there's a mixture of definitely some spices that's in it, and... We have cherries that's in it. That's that's a great addition. And then some nuts. I think that's nuts.
1: Yeah, he said pecans. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: pecans. He said pecans.
2: I would have to say that this cookie is pretty darn amazing. It's awesome. So I'm going to give it a 9.
1: A 9 out of 10. Nice. All right. Chew on a scale of 90 to 100. What What grade do you give it?
2: <laughs> wow. are terrible dog. Wow.
1: What do you think? He's having a moment.
4: <laughs> you know what? They're really it- nice cuz they they provide like a really rich amount of flavors cuz he makes the cherries with the coconut and the pecans and everything. It just tastes different. And that's a good different.
1: I would say an 8. This cookie has done something I didn't think was ever possible. As I may or may not have said, now that I don't remember, um, I do not like coconut, and I do not like nuts, except for cashews, but they can't be in cookies. And because I'm a good sport, I had a bite of this cookie, and I couldn't really make out the texture of either. So this is the first thing I've eaten in my life, I think, that has the two things that are my nemesis in food and enjoyed... Dramatically. So, I give it a 10.
2: Yay! They're so good. <laughs>
1: these are really good. I especially like the cherry and the orange contrasting with each other. That's good. All right, all you guys out there who are listening to us still, you're missing out. Unless you're Guardian. Because then you just have a plate next to you. Right?
2: You should totally send us the recipe for these. These are so good.
1: Apparently, he wants us to go to Furry Fiesta to get it. Hmm. All right. Well, that was a good food review, wasn't it? But the surprises don't stop there. There's another food review. How is there two? Because so these ones we have various flavors. So it's a triple. This first piece in there at the very top says no nuts in any cookie. I'm glad that you kept your testicles at home. What next thing (laughs) is we have chocolate chip, chocolate, chocolate chip. chip. Now I don't think I said it, but these cookies are from Timid Grizzly. How look at it? It's all like packaged and everything. It and has a really good presentation. I know you're supposed to open it, Rue. <laughs> I'm
2: looking at it. It's gonna... it looks great.
1: Chew, I'm going to give you lemon sugar to open.
4: Yay! Once All again. Right. Now, really good presentation. Right
1: now, and then he'll give us a review. I'll take the snickerdoodle, and there's one flavor left after that. Oh, there were four. You said there four. were three. I know. Apparently, I don't know how to read. So, while you guys are doing that, I am going to try and grab his email. Oh God. Because he let me know it was coming. So, he said. I know he didn't, actually. I don't think he intended for me to read this on the air, but I'm going to do it anyway. Sorry. He says, I'm so sad. I was listening to Season 6, Episode 2 while I was boxing up cookies. When Rue revealed he had a brain tumor, I became very sad. I didn't want to finish boxing my cookies, but I remembered my commitment and finished it. I hope it's something Rue can recover from with medical intervention. The, then um, it's a couple personal things. He says, there are... Um, a box of cookies on the way to us that have six of each type in the box. Can you give me the tracking number? So, these cookies are baked with love, and that's why I read the email. Hmm. All right, so, what did I give you? The chocolate
2: chip? <coughs> chocolate chip with tears in them? Aww. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're, that was very, very thoughtful of you. It's been... Um, it's been really um yeah um it's been really difficult and i've been trying my best to to kind of put on a a good face about it and to put a little mask on it and but it's it's been something that's really kind of been scary but thank you so much for for thinking
4: of me i really appreciate it
1: i love that they're packaged i love that all they're right they're so cute all right Chu. Mm-hmm. what did you think of your cookie
4: my cookie i got the lemon sugar First off, let's start with the presentation. The presentation is really cute. Like, that actually adds to the cookie. And about the lemon sugar, it's really good. I like the the taste of the lemon. It's not so, like, not so empowering. Because sometimes when you get, like, that kick, like, that sour slap in your face. Mm. But no, this one is, like, really subtle and then it increases and it feels really good. So it's really good. I really liked it.
2: I love chocolate chip cookies. They're good. They're they're like my second favorite cookie. Because I mean, oatmeal raisins like my number one.
1: How convenient! That's the
2: fourth flavor. Are you serious? <laughs> Bring it out. <laughs> Give me that.
1: <laughs> I
2: want it in my mouth now. Here you go. Mm.
1: All right. Now, while Rue is going to sample that, I had the Snickerdoodle. I love Snickerdoodles. I love them. Um, and that is that tastes like the kinds of Snickerdoodles you get at like one of those really cool local bakeries. You know, just the right amount of cinnamon, just the right amount of sugar. It's so good. I loved everything about it. I give this Snickerdoodle a 9 of 10. What was your score on yours, Chew? Mm, I on would say lemon? another 8. It's really another good. Great. Okay. Rue has bitten in to the oatmeal raisin. He is currently going over his taste buds. Oh, Oh no, He's he has doubled up. He did Wonder Twin Powers and is having a cookie gasm while he has oatmeal raisin and chocolate chip on top of each other. His mouth is literally full of that hot cookie action right now. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> mm. So how do you like the oatmeal raisin, Rue? He's having a moment.
2: I need a glass of milk.
1: <laughs> Sorry, all I've that's water.
2: Ah, this is so good. I really like the oatmeal raisin because it's my favorite cookie. And the chocolate chip cookie is amazing too, so I'm going to give it an 8.
1: An 8? I actually stole one myself, so I'm going to nibble it. Mmm. These are supreme. The texture is dead on.
2: Wait, which one are you eating?
1: Oatmeal raisin. Oh my god, these are California raisins too.
2: Aren't they so good? Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe that. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe this should be a nine. Nine
1: point five.
2: Everybody's just like. <laughs>
1: oh man, he just wiggled his eyebrows. I've never seen him do that ever. So, it's wiggle worthy. Oh, he's doing it again. <laughs> oh, it, you got two. really, they're really good,
4: and like Tuck said, it really has the good the texture that it should.
1: All right. We're going to gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna pause recording right now and eat more this cookies. This was
2: the best. <laughs> and then come back. Day ever. It's still pulling up my...
1: <clears throat> and just like that, we're back. Look at that. That was amazing. We just spent the last hour of our lives eating these amazing cookies.
2: Oh, man. During the break, I tried that lemon, and it was so good. Like, I just want to eat so many more of those. That's awesome.
1: So, thank you, Guardian, and thank you, TG. It was just... Amazing. It was good. All right. Well, it's time for the last surprise of this segment, which is the game. The game. All right. Your game, if you choose to accept it or not, I don't really give a crap because you're playing it, is called Pokemon 9000. Uh It's a 9000 series game. Rue has the instructions.
2: Yes. Rue does have the instructions. Or yes. So here we go. Pokemon nine thousand. And being a Pokemon yourself, you should know everything about Pokemon. With that in mind, here is some Pokemon trivia over level nine thousand.
1: You ready? Good, I'm glad You don't have an option. You don't have an option, and that's probably the best part about this. Alright, so question <laughs> one has a little bit of audio. You ready? No, that's not really the question. <laughs> the first question is, what is the name of a female Mr. Mime? Mr. Mime. Are you sure? Is yes. it Mrs. Mime? No,
4: it's Mr. Mime. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Good <laughs>
2: job. Good job. Question number two. What Pokemon will randomly change gender upon evolving?
1: I love this look. He had this look of oh my god, what?
2: Can you repeat that again? What Pokemon will randomly change
4: gender upon evolving? Like it evolves and change gender? Yeah. None. Uh,
2: Please help me with the pronunciation.
1: Azurill will. Who? Azuril on its way to Meryl. There's a twenty-five percent chance it swaps gender. Really? Yeah. I love question three because I I, I almost gave you this uh, in conversation on <coughs> how many officially numbered Pokemon are there? Oh boy, one hundred fifty-one, dummy. That's not the answer. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's all we
4: needed. It's like seven hundred sixty-two, something like that. Ooh.
1: Is that your final answer?
4: That's all I can tell you. Uh, seven
1: hundred twenty-one there are more but they are not numbered yet
2: question number four can you trade between virtual console pokemon green and red slash blue
4: in the with the new upcoming game you will be able
1: no between those ones specifically is the question
4: Between
2: the virtual console, Pokemon So you
1: know how you can trade between red and blue Mm -hmm. on the virtual console edition? Can you trade between green and red or green and blue?
4: Uh, I suppose the Japanese one, between green and red, you will be able to. But it needs to be like the Japanese uh, virtual consoles.
1: If you try and do that to an American version, it will fail. Question five. All right, I love this one. What date was Pokemon Red first made available in Hong Kong?
4: A specific date. Yep.
1: In Hong Kong? Yep. When did Pokemon Red... You know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about Fire Red. I'm talking about No, Red. I know, I know. When did it first come out in Hong Kong? It was around July. That's all I can tell you. July what? I win? What year? Pick a year. 96. It came out for the first time in Hong Kong, February 27th,
2: 2016. Oh, wow. Really? Yep. Yeah. So extremely, wow, recently. It's
1: extremely new there.
2: That's awesome. So was that like on the virtual? I'm guessing yep. it was on the virtual it was console. the virtual
1: console release.
4: So for the first time, they experienced leap like, now.
1: Nah. Yep.
2: All right. Number six. What year was the first Pokemon-related trademark issued?
1: What year?
4: The first Pokemon what?
1: The first piece of trademark issued to anything Pokemon.
4: Ninety-five.
1: Is that your final answer?
4: Now I have two dates in my and two years in my head. Pick one. Ninety-five. I'll say. <laughs> 93 wasn't it? Rue. 1990.
2: Rue was applied for trademark. Well Who? before Who? Mew. Mew. Oh, you said Rue. No, I said Mew. Did
1: you said Rue. Yes. You said Rue, and I'm like, wait, what? Rue's a Pokemon. Now catch him now.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: Uh, He's a legendary of the worst kind.
2: Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to catch me. You're like a Pidgey. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so Mew was applied. For a trademark well before um, Pocket Monsters was
4: filed for. Wow.
1: Alright, you've only got one right and you're on question seven. I've got like two rights. You don't know, how to do math? What is the swirl <laughs> on Poliwag's stomach supposed to signify?
4: Like the real animal?
1: A real ant? You mean like an animal shaped like a swirl?
4: The the, po- the real animal that Poliwag or, or everything is based on. Is a tadpole, and those are supposed to be the intestines. Ooh, that was a good one. Good That's job. A creepy fact.
2: Who designed Mew?
4: In what?
1: which question? Game eight. designer designed Mew. Game Freak. <laughs> no, game it's a person's Freak? name.
2: So, who in Nintendo <laughs> created? Mew
4: all I know is his name Satoshi
1: uh, <coughs> Shigeki Morimoto really yep alright question 9 which Pokemon was shown officially in the Pokemon anime but is not actually an official Pokemon
4: which Pokemon is shown is not actually a Pokemon yes They've shown several animals like in the first season like they showed normal animals like a weasel fish No, this
1: was a Pokemon, but it's not an official Pokemon
4: in that season
1: As far as I know, it's never happened since You're gonna go duh when you hear this answer
4: So it's a Pokemon, but it's not right Like, ever. It has never become a Pokemon. No. They just... It's a thing. Yes. There it is. Yes. I wouldn't be able to tell you. Venus Stois. Oh my god, the fusion. The weird fusion.
1: (laughs) Now you get it. Yeah, it's like... It was the Ghastly episode. Yep. Alright, your last question. For all the money and the glory...
2: Number ten. What did what's that name Kaiser? Kaiser? Kaiser. What did Kaiser do to Ash in the animated series when he visited the Safari Zone?
4: Oh, you mean the episode that was never shown? It was he shown. Point, he he pointed a gun at him.
2: You sure. Yeah. That's correct. Get... So, Is
4: one of the banned episodes, and they didn't show it because there was. Just gun violence
2: He stuff. held a gun to his head
4: Mm-hmm. So. As soon as he enters, He was pointed out with a head With, so you a, gu- s- with
1: a gun You scored 3,000 out of 9,000 points Good job You've you done the best zero. <laughs> on a 9,000 series game We don't do 9,000 series too often so How do you feel about how you did? I feel good You're a nerd
4: Plus you felt really surprised with my answer sometimes Yep
0: have you commented on the site yet it's time to be reminded in housekeeping you
1: okay <laughs> <laughs> apparently he's having a little cookie come up Ah, just kills the roof uh, fire breath I love you
2: <laughs> so make Is sure that you better, comment the on the page
1: the page comment on the page I don't yes. know what page he's meaning But I think you mean the show site?
2: Yes. Comment on the show site.
1: (laughs) Uh, We want to thank our guest for stumbling on our show today. He salutes. Everyone can hear you salute. Everybody. In 4K, they just heard you salute.
2: Yes. I want to thank Mr. Tugs. What did I do? You're just you. You're amazing. You're here.
1: Alright, well then I guess I should thank you, because that's the polite thing to do. Roo, uh-huh. you're amazing! Aw, oh, thank you! <laughs> we uh-huh. also want to thank Koru, although he's not here today, because his job demanded his presence. We appreciate him very much, because he does all the little fiddly bits that we just can't do. The fiddly bits. It's true. Uh, that is very true. We're so grateful for him.
2: Um. Also, make sure that you Thanks comment on... Well, oh, yes. Thank you, Firebreath, for all that you do for your announcements.
1: I love you, Firebreath. Yes. I don't know about Rue, but what? I love you. I, I do
2: love him. You love him
1: so much that he was not part of your thank yous.
2: I'm sorry. Do you
1: feel that intense guilt? Yes. Good.
2: I'm really sad. Good. I'm gonna cry the rest of the episode. Finish this off.
1: Don't forget that we have social media. We have Twitter. We have the Book of Faces. We have Google Plus, and we have a Telegram group now, currently with 48 people in it. 48 people, and they are literally making comments at us now because I put "Recording in Progress" as the current topic.
2: Ha! Huh. That's awesome. Yep.
1: yep. So
2: make sure you head over to our Twitter. I mean, our Telegram, yep. and and talk to us. We,
1: we'd love to hear from you. We'll add Chew in a minute to it, and then you can ask him all the questions you want. Woo-hoo. Oh, really?
2: Yes. So, um, also, we have a new episode that's going to be coming out. We're going to be talking about Pokemon. I mean, not Pokemon. Wow. Again! Again! <laughs> no, we're going to be I'll talking be about show. your name. That's not what I wrote. What? What are we talking about, then? What did I write? I don't know. <laughs> the show notes aren't here.
1: Oh, okay. You're right. We're talking about names. I wrote mains to mess with you, but that's not going to work now. We are talking about names. Names. So, everyone has a persona name or a fan name. Everyone has a legal name. You call it a real name, and I might just punch you in the stomach, because what do you consider to be your real name? What do you want to go by? Are you one of those communities where calling people by their legal name is taboo, or do you like to call people by their legal name? What are your thoughts on this? Do you see people better with one name or the other? We'll answer that on the next episode of For What It's Worth. Awesome. <laughs> well, that's something super pro.
2: Nah, uh, yeah, that's. Let's just
4: end it. <laughs>
2: yeah, that was really good, actually. <clears throat> okay.
4: Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the this has been blah, right. blah, blah, blah. This bye. is Rue. This is true.
3: Who's that Pokemon?
1: It's Tugs. It's <laughs> Oh, my God. I thought that was the audio. I was like, what? This is Tugs. And this has been For, for what, what It's, it's Worth. Ah oh, balls. You know this trick.
0: Hehehe. <laughs>